Welcome to the Off the Bench Podcast, home of all things sports here in the Central Valley. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to the Off the Bench Podcast, Jason. Episode 75. Summertime's here, though, and uh, there's not too much going on, is there? No, not really, right? I think it's just, uh, you know, Clovis High Baseball, kind of the biggest news going on right now, and kind of figure out who's going to take over, uh, you know, position that Chris Patrick was at, the son of James Patrick, longtime Clovis High Baseball coach, and be interesting to see what Clovis High does. Um, do they go with one of, you know, guys who's been associated with the Clovis High Baseball program for a long period of time? Do they go bring somebody else in, you know? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what direction they go with. You know, there's a lot of names getting thrown out for that job. So, you know, interesting to see uh, who ends up getting it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's there's definitely uh, a, a list of names kind of kind of floating around out there. And one thing's for sure, though, in this area, there's no shortage for quality baseball coaches. I mean, there's uh, there's lots of guys qualified to to take over that job. No, I agree with you 100. percent And then. Uh, like basketball, really, uh, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, I think Buchanan High, Buchanan High uh, Edison, and uh, Washington Union, I think those are the three boys' jobs that are open. Um, I don't know if anybody's filled Union or Edison. Uh, haven't heard anything yet, so kind of be interesting to see, you know, who gets all those positions. Um, kind of go from there. Yeah, I saw some photos the other day of a, uh, a, you know, summer league happening out at Liberty and the Ranchos right now, and I did see that Washington Union's playing, um, but I don't know who's taking the reins out there for the, at least for the summertime. Yeah, so it'll, it should be interesting to that. Uh, interesting to see, and I got to give a shout out to uh, uh, my buddy Brandon Nagel, uh, hiring uh, Ryan Regeer, longtime family friend, and Ryan Regeer. Um, Ryan just graduated from Fresno State, but he was actually this last year was uh, helping out uh, Fresno State's uh, football team doing a lot of that. Stuff, breakdown stuff, but uh, Nagel hired him as the Park uh, City D line coach. Uh, Ryan played football at North, played football City, and then was uh, helping out uh, film stuff for Fresno State football this past year. Uh, kind of going to coach it, and uh, Nagel was able to snag him up. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, got to give a shout out to that. I keep telling people, Nagel built something out there at Globe Seas. We need to watch out. Yeah, you know, that's it. Uh, that's one of those things I'm looking forward to football season this year, seeing, you know, some of these new coaches and seeing what, uh, what you know, how they uh, how they handle things. You got your guy Nagel out there at East, and you know Clovis High's got a new new coach out there, so it'll be interesting. Several new guys in new positions, and uh, it's gonna make for an interesting year. No, uh, yeah, you know, most definitely, and I think you know, with all you know, all said and done, though, I think you know track play is going to go through uh still going to go through central but it should be fun to see uh what happens um vince brenstetter uh the you know long time the roosevelt football coach he's now the oc at clovis north um so you know it'll be interesting to see what you know what goes on in uh like football yeah 100 percent. and you know you mentioned central <laughs> i saw a video from a seven on seven highlight this weekend i think it was at fresno state and there was a yeah. touchdown touchdown pass from Dayton to Foya to Ladanian Street. He just threw yeah. up, he just threw up a jump ball, and it just man, it just looked so perfect. It was it got me all excited, amped up today for football, and we're still several months away. 
no yeah it'll uh good stuff so yeah man well uh that's about it for now let's get to this episode man episode 75 and when i say we've got a fun one i really mean it this time we've this one uh this one was a lot of fun to record and uh man kind of had us laughing quite a bit during this uh during this interview no yeah it was uh it was a fun interview uh todd has always been a crack up uh fun guy to you know have conversations with um hilarious social media does a lot of different things um but yeah just his story of right being a professional like bike rider bmx guy to <laughs> play college basketball you know like that's uh to you know doing his uh tap truck now and being an administrator man it's a lot of a lot of cool things that he's done in his life yeah it's not your uh not your typical path to college basketball but it was sure fun to hear about and uh yeah, so here we go. This is uh, you know, episode seventy-five featuring uh, if you're if you're plugged into the local sports scene, you, you at least know who this man is. I would I would like to think, um, but yeah, we got to talk to Todd Tompkins, and uh, here you go. Hope you enjoy it. Episode seventy-five. All right, welcome back to the Off the Bench podcast, Jason. I got a sneaking suspicion we're gonna have some fun this morning with uh, who we're about to talk to. What do you think? Oh, I, unbelievable! Uh, one of the things is he is absolutely hilarious. Um, I actually found out a lot about him. Didn't know, you know, I knew him that he played basketball at FPU. Uh, obviously, he does some great things uh, in the community and stuff, and. I kind of wanted him on just because I wanted to hear stories about my high school basketball coach because he played <laughs> basketball with him back in those younger days. But to find out all the other things before that that led up to this, um, before him even playing basketball is going to be unbelievable. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're pleased to welcome today Mr. Todd Tompkins. How are we doing today, Todd? I'm doing well, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope the you kind of set the bar a little higher than I wanted. I hope <laughs> to be able to step over it, but... <laughs> No, I think we're gonna have fun this morning. So uh, t- let's go back to the beginning. Where'd you uh, Where'd you grow up? I am. Uh, I'm from Easton, okay. Was- Washington Union area. Um, you look like it. You look like you would grow up from Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I'm a I'm a E town uh, uh, born and born and raised out there. Um, but uh, went to Union for two my first two, and then graduated from Clovis High. Okay. What uh, What year did you graduate? Ninety three. Ninety three. Okay. A little bit older than both of us. Yeah, but then that, so I know exactly. So he played on what some would argue is the second best Clovis High basketball team, that 92 team. Yes, I was a part of that. Jason, who was the first best? Oh, 2002. We broke all, <laughs> we broke all those records. <laughs> I'm not arguing. <laughs> no, no, but like the 92 team was unbelievable. That uh, We'll probably break into that story, but yeah, they, they lost to Clovis West, and yep. that was the last time Clovis High had been in the section championship since my senior year. So no, that 2002 team was unbelievable. I love it. I love it. So let's you know let's briefly touch on the Easton thing. How, what was your experience at Washington Union like? Yeah. So uh, growing up out out in Easton, I mean it's uh, you know it's it's obviously really country, but um, spent most of my time probably you know out on the west side because the the way the feeder system goes, a lot of. Uh, uh, West Fresno, now West Fresno Elementary, back then it was Ivy. But a lot of the athletes when you're playing uh, come from that area. So I had a lot of friends over, you know, Elm and uh, 
and Jensen right there at Taha's Market. That was the spot. We'd go play at Frank H. I grew up, you know, mm-hmm. kind of playing at Frank H and, and uh, getting those free uh, sack lunches. You know, we, we would, uh, when we were little, you know, you're, we were all really poor out there, but uh, so we would go get those free lunches. We'd jump in the truck back when you could drive in the back of a truck, and we'd go to Fink White, grab a sack. Seatbelt was that arm. Well, 100%. 100%. <laughs> we'd pile in the, the truck, go to Frank H., get a sack lunch. Ted C. Wills, Fink White, you know, we'd get sack lunch. We'd eat all day. <laughs> and so it was a good time. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. A lot of, uh, you know, I, I grew up racing, uh, you know, motocross, uh, quarter midgets bicycles that was that was the life I was in until my father passed and then uh and then it was traditional sports after that yeah we're gonna get into that a little bit more too because that lifestyle doesn't typically lead into a college basketball no 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 (laughs) yeah statistics show that doesn't that doesn't flow that's not the you might be the greatest two-way yeah player be bmx in basketball you might be the greatest ever i've told my wife that a lot but (laughs) she still don't believe it either (laughs) it might might be true that you're definitely the anomaly there so uh yeah yeah so then uh okay so the transfer to clovis high how's that uh how'd that work out that was uh, that that was interesting um my father passed away and my mom's like okay we gotta go this town is too small. Like there's just rumors going around. Uh, we got to get out. So, uh, I'm the first in the family to graduate from college and to, uh, to, to go, uh, had a couple families, took some classes here and there, but uh, my mom's like, look, you're the only one that wants to go to college. So you pick the school, like you play basketball just so at that point it was like, okay, I don't really know. I knew Bullard was good. Clovis West, uh, was good, but Al Biancalana was the coach at Clovis high who had brought me up to varsity as a freshman at, at union. So I said, I only know Coach B, so Clovis High. So my mom bought a house across the street from, uh, from Clovis High. And uh, for me, back then, I was, like, I was literally scared. Uh, I was so scared because to us out in the country, that was, that was a rich school. That was, that was, you know, that's where all the 90210, that was, you know. <laughs> and so, like, I was so nervous, so scared. I, at that time, Union had about six, 700 students. And then we go there and, you know, it was culture shock for me because I grew up around Hispanic and African-Americans. And then all of a sudden there's a ton of white people. And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And I, I, that's when I learned about country music and all, all that stuff. I mean, not to completely stereotype the situation, but I there's a there. reason why they're stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I went there. Luckily for me, I played sports. So I had like 15 good friends in the summer before school even yeah. started. And some of them are still some of my, be- my best friends today. But, uh, you know, I went over, I had a great experience. Um, talk about opening up your network and really, you know, getting to know people. And I learned a lot there because life's a little different out in Easton as far as you know, your aspirations of what you want to do. A lot of my friends are just generational farmers. And then to go to Clovis High, then you got people, you know, talking about college and, oh, I want to do this. And I want to, you know, they're, they're talking about jobs I didn't know existed. So that was, a, that was interesting. A great learning experience. I had some great teachers out there. So let's, I kind of want to dive into this whole BMX motocross yeah. thing. Like, so how'd you get started in all that? Man, so my dad was a professional motorcycle racer before they made money. He raced uh, speedway bikes, which for those, probably nobody knows what that is, but you, those, uh, there's no brakes. Uh, they run on alcohol. And the only way to shut them off is you got this pin around your wrist and you got to pop it and that stops the bike. Like a kill switch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just, it's just balls out. It's like game on. Wait, wait, wait. So it runs off alcohol. Yeah. 
like just pure alcohol, not not like you and I are sipping on a Friday night. No, alcohol. No. <laughs> yeah, oh, like I'm thinking like just like just like rubbing alcohol, like moonshine, like what is, like that's all like, I'm thinking. Like, is this like Prohibition days? Like we're just. <laughs> I'm sure some of my dad's cousins that are uh, you know a little off the uh, the family tree, they're probably sipped it. But no, it's it's okay. it's like pure gasoline at its finest. Like it's, there's nothing taken out of it, and. Uh, and I mean, literally, it's one gear, man. You pop the clutch and you're gone. The only way you can slow down is the slide around the corners. And I raced that for a little bit myself. Uh, but it's pretty wild. Almost um, like what now would be a flat track race. Correct. Okay. It's, it's flat track. Yeah, it is basically flat track on a small quarter I, I know mile. this world a little bit, Jake. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go, yeah. So, uh, so I did flat track a little bit, a little motocross. Um, but my dad quickly realized, my mom was an instructional aid, uh, um, special ed instructional aid. And my dad was like a, a journeyman welder. And we realized quickly that we can't afford two people racing motorcycles because the expense is, is pretty ridiculous. So uh, we've, we rolled by, uh, I think I was five years old. Um, I was racing all this from age three, like quarter oh, wow. midgets, the whole nine. Like I was just, you know, I was, I was out there. Um, so we rolled by J&D uh, BMX out on uh, like Marks and Belmont, I think, something like that. And... We pulled in and my dad goes, what do you think about this? I'm like, I, you know, I feel like Ricky Bobby now. I just want to go fast. <laughs> so uh, I jump on a bike. I raced my first race at five years old. You're supposed to go from beginner to novice to intermediate or whatever to, to expert. Well, they didn't have that. They just had experts. So I jumped in on somebody's bike and I won my first race. And they were like, oh, well, I guess you're an expert. <laughs> so right then, that was the love. And then um, we went all in on that. And uh, that's where it started. Interesting. So usually in, it goes BMX to motocross. Correct. Right? Yeah. But you were you were you were kind of backwards on. Yeah, that. yeah. We we're a little, little financial situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I did uh, started that and and found success like immediately. Um, you know, we're, my dad we're traveling around in what is the the first tap truck that I have right now. That's actually what we went to races in. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we would drive cross country in that thing, and. Um, I started doing really well and I started getting sponsorships. And then, you know, about a year into it, I have a full factory sponsorship where they're giving me bikes. They're giving me, you know, I sponsored by vans or sending me shoes once a month. And this is, this is coming from a family that is living in a two bedroom house. I share a room with my sister. I can't, we can't afford shoes. I get like one pair of pants for school, but I'm getting vans in every day. So I'd literally wear my racing uniform to school sometimes because <laughs> we just didn't have yeah. enough clothes. And, uh, so it was, it was wild. I'd go on these tours, like we would take off with the team and I'd be gone for two, three months. And that was before like online learning. So I'm, I'm taking books of homework and I'm mailing it back to the teachers, like at whatever, you know, state I'm in or whatever. And, uh, and we're sending work back and I'm living this life where like people are asking me for my autograph and, you know, I'm, I'm in magazines and I'm doing all the, I'm on ESPN and I come back to, you know, Fance Avenue in Easton and none of my friends, nobody knows what BMX is yeah. over there. It's like, wow, that bike looks really expensive. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it, man. And then they're like, oh, that's cool. So you won a world title. You want to go play basketball? All right. You know, it was just, it was, it was totally different world. Why you're rocking your vans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And so that song about you, I got my vans on, but they look like look sneakers. Here, bro, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> they were cleats, too. Yeah, when you're poor, they're everything, man. Dang. They didn't give you no stock options, huh? Vans <laughs> no, didn't give you no stock options. <laughs> no. I remember at that time, you couldn't, you couldn't get paid if you wanted to play collegiate sports. Yeah. So um, I actually have, there's a, a bicycle named after me that they sold in stores uh, called the Todd Tompkins Limited. It was from Robinson. I was about seven, eight years old. And... Um, 
they sold it for probably three years, but I couldn't get money from it from the sales or else I'd lose my amateur athletic yeah. ability. And, uh, um, and so I knew I wanted to do something in college at some point. Or my dad was like, oh, you need that option still. So they would under the table, like buy me stuff. So I got a ghetto blaster, you know, with the 12 uh, D batteries or whatever. And they would give me like tapes and, and they would give me stuff like every tour. Like, okay, hey, we're going to send this to your house. But uh, so that, that was pretty cool. So hold on. So like your parents, because you're, you're like seven at this time, right? Yeah. So like your parents couldn't get the money from that? They, they, so I'm sure my dad did. Come on now. <laughs> I feel like there has to be. A, yeah. Like I, in today's world, I feel like nobody's just like. Right, right. There's like, there's no way we're not yeah. cashing in no, on No, I'm this. sure my dad was doing some Nick Saban stuff behind the, uh, <laughs> uh, behind the, the table there. But uh, yeah, I mean, somehow we got to every race. Like we couldn't afford to go to McDonald's, but somehow we're driving to North Carolina for a race or, or you know, Nashville or whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there was some dealings behind the table. Yeah. So back then in that world, what was the pinnacle of the sport, right? Because now it's in the Olympics, but it, that's brand new. Yeah. So, I mean. So at that time, it was a world title. Okay. And that was, that's what everybody was, was shooting for. Um, and so I got one. I think it was my, I think seven-year-olds, it was in Holland. And we couldn't afford to go because at that time, the sponsorships were only taking the pros and some of the like 16 and up. And you couldn't turn uh, pro till you were 16. So they were anticipating BMX being in the Olympics in 84. So I was on that path. And so that, and, and then you'd run for, a, and then you'd uh, try to get a team title too. So your team would go and, you know, you'd try to win that title. But at that time it was like, I'm just trying to get a world title. So then uh, I, I think it was my eight, when I was eight, they had it in Nashville, Tennessee. So we went there and I won um, the world title at that. And, uh, but I didn't get the overall number one plate because that's based on points. And so we couldn't you travel. You couldn't go all the places. Correct. You can't get all your points. Exactly. So a lot of these guys, uh, a lot of big money behind it, like a lot of, you know, sports are, is, is it's a money deal. You know, they were able to fly to all the races, get all the points. So yeah. I went to half the races. I ended up uh, plated number two that year in the world, but I won the world title. So at least I got that. So points per event. Correct. If we have average points. You definitely were leading it. You were the highest. One hundred percent. Yeah, you were like the world chamberlain. When you go, yeah. you, <laughs> bro, I, I, yeah, I, I stacked it up, no doubt. That is, there's actually a magazine article that I had that says, you know, Todd Tompkins competed in half the events, yet he's in second place. So they they shouted me out. Okay, I, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, you still have any of those bikes? I, I actually do. I have. I don't know how I have them. Like we literally lost everything. We we you know. Living out in the country, your house gets broke into a lot. So yeah. a lot of my trophies, a lot of everything was, was stolen. Uh, but I, there's one bike. Uh, I have one. And there's another frame in the Dan Ruitt um, Motorcycle Museum in Clovis. And it's a flat track museum. And um, one of my bikes is up there. And it has That's all the awesome. magazine articles. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. That is awesome. Still, nobody's like, oh, yeah, so you were in the movie Rad? I'm like, no, I, I, was, I was going to, but <laughs> I, could, I had racing. I couldn't get there. But I knew a lot of those guys in the movie and a lot of more teammates of mine. But, yeah, it's, to this day, Fresno wasn't a big – I mean, we had, we have, we've had some great BMXers here. You know, guys that I like Stanley Robinson invented the two pedal stand, you know, start um, and, uh, you know, Robert Rio Frio and, and uh, Keith Gaynor. And, and then a lot of a lot of big name Carter Gaines, a lot of big names came out of here. Stumphauser, um, you know, Ryan Garcia. A lot, but it's still not, you know, like outside. Yeah. None of my friends knew what it was. Yeah. So you had to go to SoCal or the East Coast. It was big. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Do you ever get out there these days and out of Woodward Park on that that One hundred percent. I still go out there, man. I, st- I love getting air still. But I tell you, the biggest difference now is back then, I would just jump stuff. Yeah. Like, I didn't care. I figured it out in the air. Now I'm I'm a little more. You know, I kind of go. I don't know the trajectory on that one. Is a, little, <laughs> a little steep. Uh, you know, how I was raised. You know, perfect example of how I was raised. Um, I'll never forget this. Uh, I was on a motorcycle and there was some doubles, which are two jumps basically. Yeah. And uh, my dad go, I said, Dad, you think I could clear those? He goes, Yeah, give it gas. All right, I gave it gas. I cased it. Boom. End up flipping over the. You know, I'm white. I'm wiped out. I'm crying. I swear my whole body is broken. My dad comes over, you know, and he looks at me. And he goes, Hey, next time, give it a little more gas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that's how I raised Trent. Like that's that's just kind of how we were brought up. But. So I imagine though, like having going from like the motorcycles to the BMX, like you were fearless then, right? Because you were already yeah. doing this. Because I imagine like going from a bike to a motor, you're probably there's you know like uh, like it's, it's a bigger it's a bigger more powerful. But you kind of went backwards, so it's like, well, if I can do this, this is nothing. Absolutely, yeah. It's like wearing ankle weights and playing basketball yeah. and then taking them off. You feel like you could yeah. jump out the gym. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That's crazy. But you were still pretty little on the on the dirt bike. So what were you talking like fifties? Yeah. So yeah. When I when I rode I rode fifties. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think I got up to eighty fives okay. at one point, but yeah. 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 So were you so obviously you're doing the whole the bike motocross stuff like that, but were you playing other sports as well? Or is it just or like like kinda like what you said, like in my neighborhood we're kinda just playing whatever just because because I you know, I feel like growing up, me growing up, it was whatever season it was, yeah. like that's the kind of sport you played. Right. And like, hey, like the neighborhood is like, hey, it's football season. So everyone in the neighborhood is playing football or it's basketball season. So everyone's playing basketball. Or if it's baseball, we're all playing baseball, that type of stuff. Is that kind of how it was with your childhood it, as it well? It was, but I missed that. So I would come back and, you know, people were better than me in all these sports. And it frustrated me because I'm like, well, man, I, you know, I haven't played this. So there was a point, I think, like fifth grade or something. I told my dad, I'm like, hey, I want to I try out for a team. Like I want to play on a team. And uh, so I, I kind of had, had, had those issues where – because um, everybody wasn't doing it, it's like, yeah, I know I'm, I'm successful and I'm doing really well, but I'm not having fun anymore because my friends aren't doing it. And so you feel kind of alone. So you either stay that path and be like, I don't care. I'm going to be the best. And I was like, nah, I, I live in a small community. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm bummed. I can't, you know, play football or basketball. Yeah, especially when all your friends are they're all playing on those teams. Exactly. Yeah. And they're in their Fridays, they're wearing their Pop Warner jerseys at school and you know, I, I got my Vans jersey on. <laughs> yeah. Well, meant something to you, but nobody else really understood. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the cheerleaders for the Pop Warner team, they, they you know, they're into the football players, yeah. not this guy, you know. You grew up in the wrong era because now <laughs> with social media. <laughs> yeah. It was social media and everything. And I, I always think that, like, man, if social media was around, I would have been bigger. But then I also, <laughs> at the same time, I think I probably would have been canceled pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> Being a little country boy, I did some dumb stuff. <laughs> There's it's a true. pros and the cons. It's true, though. I mean, in the motocross world, right? You've got the old Loretta Lynn's culture, and I mean, these kids are superstars from when they're nine, ten years old. Absolutely. And I, I was in situations, you know, in different states or whatever, where I've seen some things, and you know, way, way sooner than I should, probably should have. But that's just the life when you're yeah. on the road. Yeah. That's hilarious. I, this is guaranteed to be the only, uh, probably the only episode we talk BMX, and I love it. <laughs> it's probably the first time I talked about it in a while myself. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So, at what point do you kind of get out of that and 
and figure out the basketball thing. Like when did basketball become, I could actually do this in college. Yeah. So my, my dad would play, um, with his buddies, like on Sundays, that was their thing. They would all go out and they'd, they'd crush about, you know, 17 beers a piece and just ball out. And, and we would, you know, me and the other kids would screw around and play when the game was over, we go get some shots in. So when he passed, I was in like seventh grade or whatever, and he passed away and I, I was, I was kind of a knucklehead. I got, you know, suspended. I had my detentions and, you know, we got in fights, but it's just what you did back then. And, um, and so at that point I was like, you know what, I'm done. Like I'm going to get a college scholarship and I'm going to get it in the first sport that I make varsity in. And so it wasn't like basketball is my sport. It was like, we'll see where this takes me. So then in eighth grade, uh, Washington just won a state championship. I was the ball boy. That was the Carl Ray Harris, Curtis Stroud um, year. And, and I was the, the ball boy for the team because my father passed. So Coach B was, you know, our elementary school was right by Union. So um, I go over there and uh, they needed a point guard. And I happened to be one. And uh, they had nobody that could dribble. So he brings me up to, uh, to varsity in eighth grade summer league. And so and then he kept me there before he had left for Clovis High. So I was like, oh, this is it. I'm basketball. That's it. I'm done. So I shut down every other sport, and that was it. So you, you, go, you think about the people who've all played varsity basketball as a freshman at Washington Union, right? Like the Deshaun Stevensons, right? We talk about like the Jervis Coles. Yeah, I'm right up there with Yeah, you. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Put some respect on this yeah, man's man. name. I, my na- I, I don't even know. <laughs> like, you might even got the order right right there. <laughs> <laughs> like is that not a letdown like, like when you look at that list and you go and then you look at me like what the hell happened that must have been you know it must have been hurting that year like you can't even like chris jeffries wasn't even a varsity freshman at union granted he didn't go to union as a freshman but still he didn't make varsity as a freshman like but you, this dude did yes right that's what i'm saying <laughs> that list of like who's who of basketball players it's legendary like demetrius porter didn't even make varsity as a freshman at union I, he didn't go there either no no but he wasn't at memorial yeah he went to memorial yeah. but that's what i'm saying he didn't <laughs> yeah. make it at union yeah, uh-huh michi you hear that <laughs> Uh, he had to go to Memorial. He couldn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that, that is such a letdown that I realize I'm on that list. Like, <laughs> those are all like NBA guys. <laughs> and then there's me. <laughs> right time, right situation. <laughs> yep. I was just like, uh, if we yeah. could just, that list, I was just thinking about that right when you said, I was like, that is an unbelievable list of people who made varsity as a freshman at Washington Union. And your name's on there. Man, I didn't even realize that until you said that. <laughs> Now I feel like I was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, though, man, um, going, going to Union, um, so that era, they won a state championship, you know, uh, or quite a you know, few at that time. And um, I was the ball boy on that year that they went. And uh, so then the next year, Carl Ray Harris, number 11, like he was my idol. Uh, you know, he was my Jordan. And um, so we go uh, – so freshman year, they're handing out the numbers. And, it, and I think at that time, there was two Caucasian players on the team, and then the rest were African-American and Hispanic. And, um, excuse me, I remember um, we, uh, they're, they're, they're handing out the uniforms, and nobody wants 11. Everybody's staying away from it. But it, it goes seniority, right? So seniors get to pick. So it comes down to the freshman. Only number available is 11. So I'm like... I'm inside. I'm like, dude, I got Carl Ray's number. I'm so stoked. And everybody's like shaking their head like, bro, you're the legacy of Carl Ray. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and um, I remember the first, the first game, I was, so, I was so juiced. 
it was at home. And back then it was the old union gym where it was just seating on one side. So we, we were literally the only game in town that JV would sell out. Cause if you didn't get there by JV, you weren't getting mm-hmm. in the game. And so, uh, we would all do this, uh, at union at the time they would do this clap when we come out and it was the dopest thing ever. Like I still get chills thinking about it and it was, uh, I don't know. Can I do it? Is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like we would stand in a line to come out. And so it was all about swagger before swag yes. became a word. Like it was, you know, they, uh, Eric Cedarquist, um, taught us like, Hey, you know, you got to have swag. You got, you do this, you come out, you're already up eight zero before the game. Oh, even intimidation. Started. 100%. And so we had hoods. Yes. And so we would, we would sit there at the baseline and, and you would walk along the baseline and then you would jog. And Carl Ray taught me how to jog. There's a pimp limp to it. Like you got to like kind of dip on the left side. And so I had, to, I had to learn that. And so, you know, we would stand out there and the crowd would be dead silent and the other team would come out and then you'd hear. And then it would start. And then the crowd would start. Union. Ho, ho, ho. And it, dude, chills, right? And um, so then you walk along the baseline and you just mug the, the team warming up. And then that's how I learned to sea walk because sometimes you'd walk it out right there. And I had, I had to get some credibility. But, uh, and then you'd, you'd walk and then you'd just you'd do a light jog again with the pimp limp down the side, which I mastered. I feel like I did, at least in my mind. I looked really cool. <laughs> and you jog around the whole court and then come, ha- you know, and it, it, was a, it was a whole thing. And I remember the first time I was, I was feeling myself. And I'm, you know, you, you start smallest to biggest, so I'm leading the, the pack, right? Union, we just want state, what up? This is your representation right here. <laughs> and so I walk in the gym and I remember like some guy going, oh, they did call Ray like that. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, just to fall from the I was up so high in the rafters, man. I was like, ah, damn. See, I look at it differently. It's one of those things, right? Like, who's that next guy? It's like when you know when Jeter came into the Yankees, we gotta give him a single digit. That's a lot of pressure. I look at it the other way. It's like, hey, this guy's one of the few varsity freshmen. Let's give it like he's he's the next guy. This is why he is number eleven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I you need to text me more often, man. When I'm down, I'm calling you, man. <laughs> After my wife gives me those honeydews, I'm be like, Jay, hey, what did you say on that podcast? I was like, one of the five. Oh man, but yeah. So I remember walking to the gym and, and yeah, I just got crushed by my own team. That was uh, that was our own fans, and I'm like, gosh, damn. Did they have the the person with the cowbell? Was that person there? At no, that time? I they, no, I don't recall a cowbell. Okay, because yeah. I remember like that person. I don't know if that person came in like the later nineties, mm-hmm. but I just I just remember you go. There was just that cowbell, just just. But those games, the atmosphere, yeah, unbelievable. The that, hoods that always stayed though. Yeah, all through every one of those good teams, it was oh, always the hoods. And the hood, they, yeah, they, and and there is something to be said about that, man. I I felt like I was about six four. Wearing that hood, like I felt gangster. It was. I was just thinking too, like Dwight O'Neill, Trayvon Willis, all varsity freshmen at Union as well. So I'm just, I'm just adding the names of who's with yeah, all, all of us greats. Yeah, you know? <laughs> we're all up there. Now I remember I got up there because I remember we had two senior point guards, and, and back then positions were different. Yeah, like I wasn't a one, I was a point guard. You had a job. You yeah. were to feed the shooters. And get yep. the ball, you know, and you were a coach on the on the court. It wasn't your job to be a scorer. It was your job to get. So I was a point guard. And um, we had two others, but one of them had great issues. And the other one just didn't like the new coach. And so he was like, I ain't playing. I'll bring this, you know, for lack of a better term, I'll bring this little white boy up and let him play. Mm-hmm. And so I went and um, I did my job. 
I got the ball where it needed to be, you know, and then about halfway through the season, the guys caught on. And so my playing time, I went from, I was actually starting at the, I was like five, six, one twenty-five, and just peller than all get out. Cause it was winter. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, I, my playing time decreased and I became a six man. And I, I came off, which I probably should have been in the first place. I mean, I probably shouldn't even have been on varsity, but I did my job correctly. Yeah. I executed what coach needed. So, um, yeah, now I'm getting, now I'm downplaying. Could you say that thing again, Jay? <laughs> Over the names again. <laughs> so but, then, so then you're coach ended up going to Clovis High yeah and then bought you guys a house and then transferred you over to Clovis High 100%, yeah. <laughs> yeah I got foldable sandwiches every every day yeah then the recruiting process came and right it was they had the highest bid and you were getting recruited by Bullard and <laughs> well, can you imagine though now though like oh yeah in today's like thinking about like oh you're a varsity player at Union as a freshman but then like you end up going to Clovis like 100% the rumor mills would have been Absolutely. Social media, like, oh my goodness, like he's, and it, they definitely recruited Even him back then, I got, uh, we got investigated because at that time, uh, you know, my fre uh, freshman team, we started three freshmen, Pat Holland, who ended up at UC Riverside, Terrell Woods, I think he was at Riverside City and then went to Oregon State, I think. Um, and then Marcel Sanders and, and Jermaine Blue were both juniors at the time. And so we all started, we had an underclass that first year um, that we won Valley. And, um, uh, oh no, actually that was my sophomore year. So we had Tommy Bragg, Sonny Burt, that, that group right there. But, um, uh, Terrell went to Edison, Pat and Paul, your Moses Moore, they went to central. And then I went to Clovis and it was, it was back when people, I guess, transferred out of union. Um, uh, but it was, it was pretty wild. And we, I, I ended up being investigated for the central guys. They were asking me like, Oh, did you, did you, were you contacted? And then, uh, coach B, uh, when I went to uh, Clovis, they went and checked, like, because back then they had the uh, Arc League where it was, um, they did a, a spring league of all, like, the best players, and you played in this league in Fresno City, and then they took a group with uh, Matsubura, <clears throat> who ended up being Ebo, yeah. and so Mats would take, uh, Mats Wahlberg and Coach Moore would take you to Vegas, and you'd play and you'd represent Fresno, and so I was playing in that league, and Coach B, you know, all the coaches were there, yeah. I was, and so I remember them investigating me, like, did you talk to coach Bianca Lana during this league did you you know as uh, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like now dang <laughs> yeah what's funny is for for a while there there were several big high high level transfers going from Clovis High the other way yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah still my favorite Fresno B articles is uh Deshaun I think they won state or whatever and he has a picture in front of his house it's from his house in Clovis <laughs> technically we didn't live in Clovis we lived in Fresno it was like the sunny side area we lived <laughs> like on the Beaufort. same street yeah we lived on the same street right by Fancher Creek <laughs> that's funny but yeah man yeah my uh <clears throat> my freshman year um it was pretty wild because uh at first, the team didn't accept me. They, you know, it's like, why? Why is he here? Um, my, I got a good story for you. Uh, the uh, the Cage Classic was the big tournament at Bakersfield High, so we rolled down there, and um, it's the it's the night before. Um, we're staying Friday night at this hotel, and and um, we're out there, and and our our game. Oh no, no, our game was that night. Yeah, let, let me back this up. Sorry, I'm getting old, man. <laughs> so uh, game that night, we're playing Bakersfield. So, you know, if you're hosting the tournament, the team they're playing is the worst team yeah, there. because you like, got to get that first win. We're moving on to the second round. 100%. So it's a 7 o'clock game. 
the drillers are there. They have uh, Mark Miniweather, Merriweather. I can't remember his last name. He was a weather. But he was, he was like their version of Carl Ray. He was like 6'4". He could jump out the gym. They had a six eight dude that was already verbal to Long Beach State. Um, and so we're playing at Bakersfield. And I remember it was our, our first test, of the, our first tournament of the season. So we roll in there and it's juiced. It's seven o'clock, Bakersfield, nothing going on in the town. This place is packed, standing room only, lines out the door. There, and they're expected to win a state championship or compete this year. And, and uh, so we come out of the tunnel. And I remember I'm standing there and I'm like, yeah, let's do this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I have no idea about Valley basketball at that time. Like, I don't know who's big. I don't, you know, I don't know the paper, you know, all that stuff. So I'm standing there and the end zone seats, it looked like a typecasting for the movie Straight Outta Compton is literally behind the basket. I mean, right there. And I, I remember standing there and they gave it to me. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Like, you know, playing ball, like Frank H and all that, you get that, like, um, you know, people, you know, oh, white boy. This, yeah. uh, so I, I, was, I was pretty callous to that. But these dudes gave me another <laughs> level of the game. And I remember looking to my right, and it, it looked like, like literally like Easy e like the Jerry Curl over the Raiders jacket. And he looks at me, he's like, white boy, we're going to kill you. And I believed him. <laughs> I was like, damn, this is my last night in Bakersfield. And so... Again, my job is to run around the court, music's pumping, and um, our coach comes over. He goes, hey, don't go around the whole court. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? He goes, just, just go to half court. And, and our, our warm-up was I would come down, and I would throw the ball. You know, we'd walk across the baseline, same thing, jog, do my pimp limb. And we'd come down, and I'd throw the ball off the right side of the backboard, and then everybody behind me, because everybody could dunk the tip, it, would, yeah. it would, the tip drill, yeah. Yep. And then the last guy would tip it to the left side. Yeah, and, and then start then, all over again. Exactly. So I'm so nervous and scared at this point because I know my life's pretty much done <laughs> after the fourth quarter. I'm not sure how, or, but I'm, I'm dying tonight. So um, they're, they're giving it to me. So instead of walking, I'm so nervous, I sprint across the baseline and I just start trucking, pimp limp gone. <laughs> I just look like a Caucasian kid from Easton just sprinting around. And I get to half court and I look back and my team's not there because they're still doing the process. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay. Um, how can I not look? I'm already looking stupid. So I start doing ball handling drills at half court. Like, yeah, I'm a point guard, so I got to warm up. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I'm trying to save face. And then the team catches up. and They're already mad at me. And I'm like, so then I compose myself, and I turn that corner. I look at the backboard, and they have the fan yes. back. You, you yes. know what I'm talking about. It's like a park backboard. It's not a square <laughs> rectangle. There's not a lot of surface area. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't anticipate the situation. <laughs> so I'm like... Oh, damn. I got to hit that, that spot. Normally, I do like a little underhand toss, you know, not even look like, yeah, what's up? We're watching Union. We're about to do a bunch of stuff behind me that's really cool. <laughs> and so I roll up and I throw it like I normally do. And it goes over the backboard right into Dr. Dre's hands and his buddy Ice Cube sitting there. And it's, it's about sixth row. And I'm standing there and I, I'm not sure what to do at this point. And, um, I look at Ice Cube and I'm like, ball, because that's what you do, right? He's like, I ain't giving you the ball, white boy. <laughs> oh, man, now my team really hates me. And they're like, are you serious? And I put my hand out and the dude's like shaking his head. He's like, mm -mm, he ain't getting his back. And I go, I, I don't know what to do at this point. The coach for Bakersfield, I think it was Hutt's uh, dad. I think okay. he was coaching. 
I think he realized the situation that I was in over my head, and he felt bad for me. And he, he got one of his balls. <laughs> he goes, hey, bud, hey. And I turn around, and he throws me the ball. And then I remember, I think it was Sonny Burton or somebody's like, man, just do layup line. <laughs> just ruined everything. And they wouldn't give us the ball back. Security had to go get the ball. You guys win that game? or? <laughs> nah, nah. Actually, I got dunked on so hard. Oh. And um, you know it's bad when you walk into the gym, and they had a picture of Meriwether or Miniwe, whatever the name is a life-size picture of him dunking and his elbow was over the rim and that's what they had in you talk about swagger like they were already up 10 points just looking at that poster and i remember help side doing my job uh pistol 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 young pistol stands i slide over at the block and i'm outside the key and he jumps over a i mean it would have been worse because he should have cleared me but his shorts for some reason teabagged me <laughs> and i i fell back and I don't blame the ref. It was a charge. Should have been a charge. We should have been. That. I was so set. Like I like that was my. That's what I did. But I the ref was right in front of Compton, and I looked at him, and I'm sure he was like, "Bro, this is for for both of us." <laughs> nah, that was a block. <laughs> all right, ref, you're right. <laughs> I remember that man just getting up, and then the crowd just all over me, man. That was wild. No, no chance that night. No chance. <laughs> no, I don't even remember what the score was. I'm sure. I'm sure it was bad. <laughs> Oh man! But let's talk about those Clovis High teams, though, because mm -hmm. you guys had like a re some really good teams, um, some battling teams, right? Because I'm trying to think. Like I know Benton played on those teams. Yep, yep. And then uh, Lake, right? Uh, Lake was before us. Okay, Be yeah, he was. So it was uh, and then Clay Kearney. Carlson. Yeah, Kevin Kearney. To this day, he's one of the most knowledgeable like basketball minds. Like that Kearney was was amazing with with uh, with with knowledge of the game. Just his IQ was was off the charts. Um, uh, that year, Clay Carlson, Mike Metzler. We had the seven-footer, Stefan Knockert from uh, Germany. I mean, our, our starting lineup was, you know, Clay Carlson at 6'7". He played at Chico. Mike Metzler, 6'6". He played tight end at Arizona. Mike Payne was 6'2", shooting guard. He went to Army and then came back to Pacific. Um, and then there was the little guys. There was me, you know, went to play at Pacific. And then Scott Deck, who played baseball uh, in college. Um but we had we had dudes, and then coming off the bench was seven foot, you know, Knocker, who ended up playing, you know, professionally immediately in Germany after uh, after we were done. But I mean, we we walked into the gym and intimidated some people, definitely. But that was that was a that was a crazy squad. So did you only play basketball? Yeah, at Coles High. Yeah, I I had a uh, so I had PE. Uh, coach Patrick was my coach. I love love <laughs> Coach Patrick, and um, I remember him telling me one time, he goes, hey, it was a, my senior, uh, gonna be a senior year. He goes, hey, you need to come out for baseball. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I, so I felt like, oh, he sees something in me in <laughs> PE that I'm bringing to the table. And uh, I said, coach, I'd love to. I said, I haven't played baseball since like sixth grade. Like, I don't, I don't know if I, you know, could be a value to the team, you know, and I'm waiting to hear him say, yeah. no, I've seen how you move. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, no, no, you'll never play. But you're just funny, man. I'd love to have you in the dugout. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I would have, but I, I ended up not. Coach so, knew what he needed. Mm -hmm. hey. mm -hmm. So Coach P asked me, like, my senior year to come out for baseball. Similar to you, I thought, like, oh, okay. Like, he knows. Like, I'm one of the premier athletes on this yeah. campus. Like, they need me. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, you know, you the, at best, you're going to pinch run. <laughs> at, <laughs> at I was best. like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like yeah. I'm not going to get the day B. He's like, no. You when's the last time you played baseball? Like, like you, sixth yeah. grade. But like, I'm not gonna get <laughs> into that bat. Can't teach me to bunt or yeah, something. Yeah, like, I can't get into that bat. 
So yeah, I didn't I didn't go out there. I'm like I'm not just gonna be out there sitting on the, in the exactly in, in the yeah. dugout. I could be, be the, with my friends yeah. in the crowd and get a hot dog. Be the guy who has to go chase the foul ball yeah. or something. No. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. How demoralizing is that, man? If you're that guy, like I I, I hope I'm not disparaging people, but <laughs> man, I always see that kid that that's the foul ball guy. Yeah. And it's like ah. I'd have to paper, rock, scissor that yeah. one. I, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> Definitely, too, when you go back, right when you just got it, snagged it, and then there was another one, you got to go right back. Oh, and, yeah. You're like, oh. And, and it's it, not like there's somebody else who's, like, going to go get it. No. Because you just got back. It's like, nah, man, that's, that's you again. <laughs> that's you. That's you, yeah. <laughs> that's and your it, role. It's like the crowd knows, like, oh, coach doesn't even think about putting this guy in because he's literally in the parking <laughs> yeah. lot for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> Trying to find it. Yeah, looking under an old Chevy <laughs> for, for some oil stains and a ball. Oh, man. Uh, so obviously you were getting recruited by the Dukes, the Kentuckys yeah, out of high absolutely. school. Yeah. Cause I was and one then, of those union greats <laughs> as a freshman. So, but honestly, what made like Fresno Pacific, what made you end up going to FPU and FPU was, a uh, um, uh, I didn't like, like we were talking about earlier. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know it was a real college. And, um, so when I was playing in Vegas, like Mott's would come up and he was like the first guy, he'd be like, Hey, Santa Clara's looking at you. They're very interested, you know, Northridge. And I was like, wow, that's, that's cool. You know, Hey, NAU. Um, and at that point I always tell, I tell Tony Amundsen this all the time, like in middle school, it's like, yeah, I'm not sure if I pick Duke or North Carolina. I'm not <laughs> sure right now. And then, you know, sophomore year, you're like, man, you know, I, maybe like maybe Kansas or Texas <laughs> or something. And then junior and senior year, you're like, I mean, I'm still going pro, but maybe it's Europe. <laughs> Like, maybe I get into Europe. Maybe I go that route. Yeah. I got to go that route yeah, exactly. first. Go, yeah. And the, then I'll the goals make it. slowly yeah. start because I, I like to achieve goals. So I, <laughs> I keep taking that bar. Maybe going, even have to go to Australia for a couple <laughs> right. of years. Yeah. And then they'll see me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let them know I played at Union as a freshman. So I'm sure they'll, <laughs> they'll get me in the door. But uh, yeah. So um, and then when my father passed, I realized I, c I couldn't leave like mentally. I couldn't leave my, my family. And I felt like I needed to stay here. And I talked to um, I think it was Gary Colson at the time. And he offered a, a walk-on position, like, hey, you know, you can get a scholarship. And then um, I'd heard Tark was coming in, and he already had, like, 17 point guards. And I'm like, well, I, I don't – at that point, you need, to, you need to think about what you want. Do you want to just be on a team to say you're on the team? Or do you want to actually play, you know, and enjoy college that way? Yeah. And I'm not saying either way is, is good or bad. It's, it's your personal choice. And so at that time, I was like, no, I want to I actually play. I want to go to college and play and enjoy my time. And so then Fresno Pacific started recruiting me, and I went to a game. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is real college basketball. I had no idea this was here. So then I was like, do you guys play against, like, Fresno City and, you know, Reedley? And they're like, no, 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 we recruit people from there. And I go, I, I had no idea about this whole world. Like, my life was, like, D1, and that's all that exists. And, um, I mean, I talk to kids about this today. Like, it, it doesn't matter where you play. Just just get school paid for. Yep. Like, that's what's important. And um, even with my son, like, it's never, you know, the goal is – you know, you set the goal. It's like, well, I want to get a degree. I need that. And so that was kind of the goal the whole time. It wasn't like to go pro or go whatever. Um, and so it was perfect for me. I could stay home with my family. I could, um, you know, go there. <clears throat> I ended up moving out of the house right away. Never, never saw the family, but <laughs> in theory, I was, you know, down the street. So I imagine when you went down that recruiting visit with the the brown panel is what sold you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, are you – man, you don't see brown on brown like that very often. Done deal. And that's when you're like, oh, this, Ooh, is, this yeah. is the place. Yeah. This is the place where I want to play basketball right here. 100%.
<laughs> with a different color blue bleachers that don't yeah. match and yeah and the brown paneling yeah it's people forget you look at fu's gym now it's absolutely gorgeous compared yeah it's to way what, different now yeah but that brown paneling on all the way from top to bottom it was more built for the the Mennonite like celebration than it was for basketball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it was the afterthought for basketball. So you end up uh, playing for Coach Sargent. Yeah. So Coach Sargent. So I played with his son Paul. Oh, okay. Yo, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. I played with Paul yeah. at Clovis High, and then uh, Coach Sargent, my I think my sophomore junior year. I think just my junior year, he helped coach with Jones. Yeah, that's right. So I got to uh, get to go. What was it like playing for Coach Sargent? Uh, so I didn't go there recruited by Coach Sargent. Okay. Um, I went there and my coach who recruited me went to Santa Barbara. And so I, I didn't even know Sergeant. So I get there and, um, Hey, by the way, I got some good Clovis high stories. Okay. <laughs> um, but I get there and I remember I was feeling myself. I'm like, I'm all Valley. Like I'm right behind Mike Pemberthy. And, uh, you know, so, you know, they're lucky to have me. I'm one of the top freshmen from union. <laughs> and, uh, I remember going in there and it was like Ty Amundsen, Tim Amundsen. I think Tony might've been there for an open gym, but I didn't know who they were at this time. Uh, Brian Volnick transferred from Bakersfield. We had all these D1 transfers that came in. Cause back then NAIA, it's, you had infinity to play for. Yeah. So we had all D1 dudes. I had no idea. I just walked into the gym and I remember leaving that open gym going, I can't believe I can't play here. <laughs> like this is insane. I'm guarding like Ty Amundsen three feet out the three-point line he's burying it i'm like i didn't even know you guarded people this far out <laughs> like you're still looking at coach getting you know defensive calls at this point and uh that was wild but i remember i went back out there to the second open gym and and i was like oh okay and i started learning you know like hey tony amison he's a little different level he plays at UOP, you know, he plays he's playing in europe and i'm like oh, oh okay <laughs> there's levels to this i got it i could do this so yeah that that was a that was a it was a shock at first dang yeah <laughs> yeah you're just thinking everybody everybody's here to compete with you for that spot yeah <laughs> yeah like gosh dang man these guys the range was just unreal uh, tim amos was the best shooter i've ever played with or against um you say that one more time just in case if uh tony or tire listen yeah yeah so <laughs> I'll be breaking Tim down a little, a little bit, but I'll put him. I'll put him up on a pedestal, not too tall because he's not too uh, flexible and he's old. So I'll put like a foot. Protect them hips. Protect yeah, them yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hips. But I remember. See, I remember they go, "Hey, you got him," and I saw him, and I was like, "All right." I was thinking in my mind, like I'll be helping a lot because this guy ain't going anywhere, and uh, he didn't. But he still buried yes. every three in my eye, and I'm like, "How is this truck driver?" <laughs> burying threes on me like this like you talk about like reality check it's like man i this guy looks like he's gonna hurt himself going to get water and he's burying threes man oh uh, yeah he was uh yeah tim, tim um uh yeah troy brown on that team too. oh yeah yeah so so troy I, actually no troy left before but i played okay. a lot of a lot of uh we would play in these games afterwards back when colleges would play you know, different yeah. exhibition games. So I played with Troy. Okay. Troy, Troy was great. I'll never forget. We were playing this exhibition game at Columbia Junior College. And we walk in their arena and the, the courts like, I mean, it's a good 20 yards away from the, the bleachers. And we walk in the gym and Brown goes, I'm in range. <laughs> like that's how much that dude shot. I remember we were, 
my wife and I and him and his wife were in the back when they did lotteries for houses. Like you'd have to go and they'd have this big event and it was like, okay, we're giving 10 lots out. And uh, we were sitting there and Troy was real cocky. He's like, hey, my number's coming up. Like we're going to get this house. I already got the lot picked out. And so we're sitting there and they were choosing uh, 10 lots and he ended up being 11. And I remember we were sitting there and this big dude gets called. It's the last one. And Troy's like, you got to be kidding me. And this guy stands up. He's like 6'9". He goes up to the stage, you know, to shake hands. It was like, this is a whole dramatization just to get a damn house in Clovis. <laughs> and he shakes the guy's hand and Troy yells out, he can't guard me though. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, we're, we're the Waffen Castanos. <laughs> Troy's just letting people have it. He's uh, like, I'll play you one-on-one for yeah, that bid. exactly. <laughs> yeah, Troy Troy was fun, man. Him, Tim Butler, those dudes were hilarious. I remember when Tim Butler, came, he transferred from Cal Poly. And uh, I won't say the word because we're probably a kid's show, but <laughs> he goes, uh, we're, we're playing Cal Poly. He's so pumped up. He's like, man, I'm going to talk so much ish. I can't talk ish because we're, uh, we're at a Christian school now, so I'm going to talk stuff to him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was one of... Like, I remember, like, that that team picture, because you guys set the school record yeah. for wins, and, like, that team picture is all in, like, when you walk in the entrance and everything. Yeah. No, my I, team I, broke that record, too, at FP, but that's a whole other story, too. Dang, you just <laughs> put me right back in my place. <laughs> you know, records were meant to be <laughs> They were. Yeah. We would have never got to that point if it wasn't you guys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We, we set that. We showed you yes. it's, it's doable. It's like that four-minute mile. You know, that you guys were the uh, yeah. first one to break the four-minute mile. 100%. So, and then it's like, oh, now we can do this. Yeah. So you're saying he broke his record at Clovis High. Yeah. The better team, team at Clovis High. Team, yeah. And it, and it. Okay. Yeah. I provided this guy with so much ambition and yes. just drive. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even know it. Yeah. Didn't even know we, it. He was, you know, the fire. I, I followed Todd Tompkins' shadow because I was like, this guy, I I would have never been a varsity player as a freshman at Union. No. Coming to Clovis High. And that, that was why you had to go and beat Clovis West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he conquered my demons. You conquered all my but demons. But we didn't get to win the championship either. We <laughs> fell short too. <laughs> oh, man. But no, what is it like those FPU teams? Unbelievable. I know like Jones, like talking with Jones is just you just look at just the basketball community, the fingerprint that on that team that has had on this section is unbelievable. Just all the different coaches and like just it's amazing how many people have come from that. Just yeah. that team. It's a it's a crazy kind of coaching tree, I guess you could say that that came out of that that group that the the IQ of that group was was amazing. I mean, I learned so much playing with those guys and um coach b was a great coach he ended up coaching you know in college so i learned a lot from him already but that group of minds everybody around was was wild i remember john jones the first the first time he came uh my freshman year he wasn't there and uh tim told me he goes hey i got this guy I go, oh yeah you know who is he He goes to john jones i said where where's he play at he goes well he played at uh i don't know if he played at loney or chabot one of the two yeah um He's like, yeah, he took a year off. He's coming back. He's going to play with us. And I said, what, what's he like? He goes, he's a guard. He does everything. Like he's a, you plug him in, man. He'll get it done. It doesn't matter. And I said, sweet. So they're pumping this dude up. So we've been running this whole time doing miles and stuff. So it's the last day of conditioning. And um, I said, why is he in Florida? They were like, oh, well, somebody came and was like, hey, I'm going to Florida. Do you want to go? And he just jumped in the van and left. And we ain't have seen him. But but I got a hold of him. He's coming back to play. So already in my mind, I'm like, this dude's wild. I don't even know this guy, man. And so we're out there all in our, you know, running shoes, shorts, like we're ready to go. 
I'm trying to break a five minute mile and this VW bus pulls in the parking lot. It was like Spagoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. For those of you that don't know, Google that. And uh, he rolls in. He's got long hair. Like just long hair. He's got no shirt on, jeans and vans. And he hops out of the van and he's like, what's up, guys? I'm John Jones. Like who? Mike Jones. He comes out of the van and I'm like, what? in the hell and this dude comes out and he's like he's the nicest dude he's got this big smile he's like what's up man yeah i'm johnny jones hey i'm todd todd it's great to meet you he's just so like his energy is just all over the place i'm like wow and then coach goes all right get online he goes what are we doing he goes we're running the final mile and uh john's like cool let's go he literally just drove across country my man rolled out in vans and jeans and beat all of us (laughs) to the point where the the track coach wanted to give him money to run track and this dude comes and he goes and apologizes. He's like, coach, I'm sorry. I'm a little out of shape. It just burned us all. It was, it was crazy. And that dude, though, man, he was, he was wild. He would, uh, he did this, uh, he was unprepared for this one uh, deal in class where he had to give like a speech and he goes up and crushes it. Like, I don't know what the Lord did to him at that <laughs> moment, but he crushed it and he had on this this shirt from the thrift store that cost 50 cents. And it was like, we, it felt like styrofoam. We called it the styrofoam shirt and he crushed it. So then every speech we had to give, we'd all wear the styrofoam shirt. Like that was the lucky shirt. Like Jones, did you wash that shirt? No, well, I don't care. I need, I need some luck, man. I got a big test. That's awesome. Yeah. Jones, Jones was dope. That is awesome. So Jay, when we talk about, just so everybody knows, I mean, we talk about those teams and those coaches that have gone on now. I mean, let's, we're talking about like guys like Joel, right? No, no, no. Joel was later. Yeah, he was behind. Joel was okay. later. So like I'm. So you. Um, but so, Jones. So you have Jones. You have the Amundsons. We're on that team. Yeah. Um, but I thought Troy Brown was. I guess he was not on that team. Yeah, he had just finished when okay. I got there. I, like in my head, like I just think of like just the different basketball people because he's a part of the group. Yeah, I mean, he's the same age as. Yeah, and they're both really, really old. <laughs> <laughs> but I know because they all played like, and I know too, like they would all play like after. They all played together, you know. They do like the hoop it ups, but then also the most frustrating thing with two would be is like they would play, they would scrimmage. Like you guys would scrimmage yeah. teams, like they would scrimmage like high school teams or other colleges and stuff like that. And so they would all play, and it would just be frustrating because you're just out here losing like forty year old, thirty year old dudes <laughs> that you think like you like you said like you would look at them and like Tim Amundsen for the most part has had the same body for. I concur for like 30 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And you look at him and you're just like, there's no way this guy pace wise is keeping up with me. Mm-mm. There's no way like he's like, he should be able to guard me. And you're at the same time. You're just like, I should like, he's not going to blow by me or like he shouldn't, but somehow some way like he'll still like, if he, he'll hit you with like a little jab step or one side dribble and like he'll score. And then like, you can't, guard him no. shooting wise he like, only needed an inch that's it you could be right underneath him on top like he's still hitting it and then you just you know it was just one of those constant things where i remember like also too like every practice almost every practice in high school i played for jones for three years we'd have a shooting contest and every time he beat me and it would just be i don't think i beat him one time i think maybe i got close once but just unbelievable like just how great of basketball players and iqs and it's just yeah just a lot a lot of knowledge yeah yeah, that was a, that was a good that was a that was a fun time. That I was I was very fortunate to be a part of that group to go through there. Absolutely, we had some we had some good games. I, I remember, um, and Tim disputes the story, but it's it, it's a uh, I'll go hand Bible on this one. But uh, 
I remember one time I got Tim on my right, Ty on my left, and they're both yeah. trying to break the three-point record. I think it was like eight in a game. And they both had like seven at this point. And they were probably like seven for eight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I'm being full court pressed. And both of these guys, the other two guards are supposed to help me out, are spotted up at the three-point line, like the whole fourth quarter. And I'd get the ball in and I'd work, work my butt off, like cutting through this group. And then they're both wanting the ball to break the record. And um, I think I had like maybe six points at this time. And uh, so I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's my time now. No, no, no. So I remember I passed to Tim and he shot it one, you know, right away. And then ties in my ear. Give me the ball. I'm wide open. All right, man, I got you. I and got they're you. always wide open. Always wide does open. not matter. No, no, no. Yeah. It does not matter. An Amundsen is open. <laughs> 100%. Open. Uh, and, uh, right there. Yeah. And, and, um, and, then, and then Tim, uh, Ty, and Tony, they'll play defense and then be open. Tim, <laughs> his man will go around him, and instead of saying help, he yells outlet. <laughs> he already knows. Like, yeah, this, I remember Tim one time. I was like, Tim, that dude has scored like the last – three shots and he's like yeah but they're only two pointers i'm getting three on the other end <laughs> <laughs> so i'm dribbling i'm breaking this press and i throw the tie and then tim's looking at me like what are you doing i'm wide open and so keep going so somehow the ball goes out of bounds and i'm like tim i only got six points pass me the damn ball and uh and he looks at me kind of funny and i said there ain't no i in team and he's backpedaling he goes but there isn't tim <laughs> I fed Tim the entire after that. I kept feeding Tim, man. So how I'm many like assists that. would you average a game? I I think seven or eight. I was like, I, I had quite had a few double digit. Yeah. Just, yeah. Ty would always screw me up though, because he'd grab it and like take a couple dribbles just to ruin it. <laughs> Tim was good, like just catch and yeah. pop. So I I I lived off of uh, off of Tim. That's, yeah. There, there is in Tim. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. He still disputes that, but that's gospel, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you imagine a kid at Bullard telling him that? <laughs> There's no high team, but there isn't my name. <laughs> that kid ain't staying at Bullard much yeah, longer. Exactly. Hey, it happened now. It's on the podcast. It happened. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm telling you. I'm glad I got to put this out there. He's been denying it this whole time. That is a great He won't choice. hear it, though. I think he still has a flip phone, so like, <laughs> I don't even think he has social media. <laughs> I'll, I'll say stuff about him on, on stuff, and then he'll text me, hey, somebody told me this. <laughs> Man, when are you going to get a real phone? When are you going to get a computer? Gosh, dang. Uh, Ian, Ian Hayashi will tell him. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Ian will be yeah. the one who lets yeah. him know. Yeah. <laughs> me, me, Ian, and uh, Troy... Troy Brown, we coached uh, at Hoover like right away. So we were all in that group. I, I remember uh, um, Long Beach, uh, some tournament, the Pyramid, Best of the West. Okay, yeah. Adidas Best of the West. I remember we go there and we're coaching and Tim goes, uh, he goes, hey man, um, go check us in. Tim did not like to do paperwork. He's like, I'm a coach. And so we all had our roles. So he's like, hey, go check us in. I go, all right. So I go up there. I say, hey, I'm checking in, you know, Hoover High. The guy goes, oh, Pates. Pates, you know, he, he, they still had a name from back in the um, Pat Riddlesprigger days and in that group, uh, Ray Bearfield. And so he goes, oh, the Pates are here in the house. And so he uh, he goes, hey, what, what size what size uh, shoe are you? I'm like, what do you mean? Like me? He's like, yeah, the, the, the head coach gets, gets we all this gear. And I'm like, I'm 11. <laughs> <laughs> what size shirt are you? Ah, large. <laughs> so I get all this gear and I know Tim's going to be pissed. 
So I go, hey, uh, I set it on the side and I go, hey, Tim, I need the van, uh, the van key. I, ne- I left my wallet in there. He's like, oh, okay, here he throws me. So I go in and I, I stuff it under seats. I'm stuffing it. So then about, and about two months later, um, I got on the best of the West pullover and I got the shorts and he's like, man, I didn't even see they were selling that stuff there. <laughs> I said, they weren't. I got it to check in. <laughs> Uh, yeah awesome. we were at that tournament i remember we, we were out and um uh we, we came back with the team the kids all go up to the uh to the room and we're sitting there and and um all the coaches staff we were there i think uh Wahlberg was there i remember um everybody was there and i told sam i said i'm gonna uh he said he, he popped off about something i said well i'll centipede from the van to the room he goes you can't do that i go i will he goes you won't do that so I'm out in the parking lot doing the centipede on the asphalt and I can't get the doors to open because I'm not, you know, I'm on the ground. Yeah. I'm not taunt. So he comes over and does it. And our assistant coach, I won't say who it is at this time, but he was losing his mind. He's like, if the kids see you doing this, we're all getting sent home. I said, I'm doing it. I'm all the way to the room. And Tim's like wetting himself. He's like, he's going to do it. So I centipeded across the lobby into the, into the elevator and we're all in there. And Tim's like, you can't, you can't make it. And then, and then the other coach was like, you're going to wake up the kids. You, you can't do it. I, I'm doing it. Yeah, I told you I'm doing it. I sent Pete all the way to the room. And, uh, man, we, we had good times, that squad right there. That, that was awesome. Fun. That is awesome. We had uh, – oh, I was going to tell you, Clovis High, speaking of Kearney, um, we were playing in a summer tournament at Lakewood, which those that don't know, it's like Lakewood, Artesia, Compton, all that is right in that area. So we get out. Now, Clovis High at the time, I, I told you some of the names that were there. Literally like 14 Caucasian dudes, right? <laughs> and we're walking to the gym. And um, there's a guy working on his sound system on his 85 uh, Buick Cutlass Supreme Triple Gold Dayton's. Nice. Trunks popped. He's in there. It would be like you walking into Clovis High. And for some reason, a guy in the quad, like where the, the amphitheater stage is, is fixing his car right there. Like, why yeah, Why would you do that? random spot. Yeah, exactly. So we walk up, and, he, and he's playing it. And you could tell the, the bass isn't on because it's just all treble. And so I, I <laughs> Kearney was <laughs> Kearney walks up, and he's, like, kind of feeling himself. I don't know, letting him know that, you know, we're down with everybody. And he's like, hey, man, pump that up. <laughs> and the dude looks up from his stereo and goes, boy, I'll pump your nuts up. <laughs> and we were like, oh. Is it? Probably, probably shouldn't talk to anybody no. here. So we go into the gym. We walk in, and there's a DJ in the corner. And uh, Artesia, at the time, they had Charles O'Bannon, Ed O'Bannon. And um, they're, playing, uh, they're playing somebody big. But there is, it is juice. Like it is, it's like basically McLean High School, the, the size of it, packed. African-Americans, 110%. And then these 14 <laughs> white boys from Clovis walk in. And the DJ's like spinning every time the ball goes out of bounds or whatever. Well, for some reason, we walk in, the ball goes out of bounds, the DJ does not play. And the crowd <laughs> stops and they all look at us. And we walk in and we feel like, okay, there's something a little different here. I believe it's us. <laughs> and we start walking in front of the crowd. And this guy, and you can hear him talking about you, you already know. And uh, this guy goes, hey, man, hey. And then we all look up and he goes, Hey, the swimming pool's over there. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> fell out laughing at us. 
That's that was great, man. Yeah, that was great. They said they didn't know they they didn't know about Clovis. They're like, y'all came from Clovis, New Mexico to get your ass kicked. <laughs> like, no, no, we're Fresno. That's beside the point. <laughs> Just here to enjoy some basketball. That's great yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I got to ask you, where did your idea for the tap truck come from? So um, uh, I had I had that since my dad passed. I had the original one, and it was uh, it was at my buddy uh, Randy Morris, superintendent at Washington Union. Now it was at his property, and it was just sitting there. And I could never fix it up because I have kids, so all my money went to went to that. And um, so I'm in Paso Robles. I'm an investor of the brewery Cal Coast uh, Beer Company. Uh, Rich Clayton used to be the AD at uh, yeah. for Century Unified. He started it, and so we went over there. It's kind of our opening. We had just bought the the building, and um, there's a guy there and he has like a 68 Dodge with taps on the side of it. And I'm like, whoa, this is different. And we're having a good time. And so I start talking to the guy, I go, hey man, I have one of these. He said, yeah, me and my buddy came up with this uh, for catering. I said, well, I wanna do this. And he goes, hey, we're thinking about franchising, but we haven't done it yet. But if you, that would help us out, like, you know, show us that we have like a book of business. I said, I'm doing it. So. I told him, I said, hey, they didn't know Fresno, Baker, so they didn't know the Valley. So I said, hey, you know, we'll take, I said, just give me like Merced to the Grapevine. He's like, I said, cause you know, Bakersfield and Fresno are like sister cities. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, that's yours, done deal. So uh, we got in, you know, I, there was no franchise fee. Now there's a franchise fee, they're in 14 states, a couple countries, um, and, and there's, there's all that. But I was, the, we were the, I was the first in there. So I called my buddy, uh, Tim McConico up. I said, Tim, hey, we're doing this. And, um, so uh, I could take a business loan out. So I did that. We got the truck up and running, and and then my whole thing was I want to build Bakersfield up and set it up, sell it off because that's a long that's a long yeah. ride. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we did that. So we built it up, sold it off, bought a second truck, and uh, so that's kind of where. And then now we're up to six trucks, and and you know it's it's uh it's it's good. It, it turned into a it turned into a job. It's 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 pretty you know it's tough because I'm still an administrator out in Crothers Unified. Um, but I don't give my phone number out. It's all emails. So that way, you know, after four o'clock or whatever, I go home. It's like, okay, time to start my second job. And then I just hit back bids and emails and, and setting up stuff. And we're at the point now where we have guys who set up the trucks. So I don't have to like stress about it and, and worry about it. We just, you know, we just get them out. I, I remember, I think the first time I saw it, I might've been like in River Park. You had it like for like farmer's market. Oh or yeah, something sober like truck. That, that yeah. was sober truck. Yeah. But I was just like, the first time I ever seen it, I was just like, this is probably one of the coolest ideas or coolest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Oh, I was just you. like, yeah, I was just like, this is unbelievable. Just to see like the taps on the, I was like, you can't, I thought you can't drive with open container, but Hey, and like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Hey, that is, there's a reason why this doesn't, isn't out there. Like I work with ABC a lot and, and they investigated us a lot at the start just because of that. They don't want us becoming the, the adult ice cream truck. Yeah. And so we got to follow the laws like big time because I, I would tell them like, I'm not trying to lose my day job. Like I have, yeah. you know, I have a career and, um, brother's administrator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the, uh, the school district, it, everybody's been great about it. You know, I've, I've been hired by some of the board members to do parties of theirs and things like that. But, uh, you know, there's definitely a separation of church and state. Um, but, uh, and I've donated it to the school. Sometimes we do root beer floats. Yeah. They, they keg, that's what you were doing. The yeah. Root beer floats. They keg root beer. So, yeah. um, it's not like we're like, Oh, he's just a, he's a beer guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So it, it's been fun, man. It's, it's, it, you know, I've always had when, when I was at, um, uh, Fresno Pacific, I started my first business. I had true baller sportswear and I started that, 
um, because back then that was when Michigan Fab Five had just came out, and so they didn't have shorts past your knees no, at that yeah. time. And so um, I had uh, I went. Uh, I, I'll take you on a little little story here, a little trail. All right, I'll make it quick though. No, I'm <laughs> it'll be long. And um, one of the five freshmen. <laughs> and um, so uh, I, uh, I I went to the clothing store or the fabric store, and they didn't have the fabric like the new like that. At then it was dazzle. It wasn't mesh like they no, it'll go mesh. So uh, went finally found some shorts. I, I called the company to see you know hey where did you get this fabric? They're like who are you you know mm-hmm. Lee. So then I was like okay I need to get a persona. So then I called back you know hey, I'm the uh, the vice president of marketing for uh, True Baller Sports, where we, we've came across some fabric that you have. You know, where, wh- who's your supplier for that? So anyways, long story short, I ended up getting a fabric company in the East Coast. I order a roll. I have my mom's friend sew the first shorts. I started selling them out of my trunk at Hoop It Ups, at tournaments. Von Webb was a big uh, believer in it. I ended up doing Washington's, their state championship unis when Michi played. Uh, but so I was just literally slanging them out of my trunk. And um so then I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to create, uh, I'd learned about supply and demand, um, in econ at Clovis high. So I said, well, I need to create a demand. I don't have supply, but I need to create a demand and maybe that will help me get a supply. And, um, so back then they didn't have social media or internet. So I ordered phone books from the Bay and from San and from, uh, LA. And so I put down all the foot lockers. Those were the only stores at the time, but I would call them every week and ask for true baller shorts and then Fresno too. So they had world foot locker. So every week wow. I had a list and I would get in there and I had an 800 number. And it's funny because I would be in there and my, my teammates would be, you know, drinking forties or whatever, playing Madden. And I'm like, shut up, shut up. I got a business call. I got a business <laughs> call. And I'd run over. I put my drink down. Hello, true baller sportswear. <laughs> and, um, and so I was, I was doing that the whole time. And, uh, so I would call and then it got to the point where I'm like, I would get the same person would answer, you know, Hey, this is Carl footlocker. How can I help you? And I'm like, oh, I already talked to Carl. He's going to know it's the same guy calling. So then I started changing my voice. <laughs> so I would mimic friends of mine's voices, you know? So I would call, you know, at first and I'd be like, yo, Hey, I'm looking for uh, some shorts. They're called true baller. I'm not sure if you've heard of those, but they're really cool. I saw it at the, the park. Uh, no, we haven't. Thanks for calling. And I call back and be like, I, I was good. <laughs> I, for real, I was at the party, you know what I'm saying? This dude had on some hella tight shorts, man. They call True Baller. Y'all ain't got those? Man, y'all, y'all, y'all missing on that, man. True Baller. Remember that. And then, and then I would call. I'd just do that all the time. And I would call. And then I remember I called World Foot Locker in Fresno. And it was one of my friends who I went to high school with. And she answered the phone. And uh, I did the voice. And she had no idea. And then she calls me right after. Hey, somebody called asking for your shorts. <laughs> So I built this up so big. I went into the Foot Locker and um, I had on my shorts and a shirt. And the manager goes, "Where'd you get that?" And I'm like, 17, 18. I started college at 17. I think I was 18. He's like, "Where'd you get those shorts?" I said, "Oh, I was at a tournament, but I got the guy's number." <laughs> and he goes, "Here, here's my card. Get it to him." He's all, "We've been getting calls for this stuff for months." <laughs> so I went back and uh, I ended up calling Foot Locker, and they ended up ordering. They were like, "We're gonna order 10,000 pairs." And I was like, man, I am making literally 22 pairs a month. <laughs> and I didn't know about like China or Mexico yeah. at the time. I was out. I was like, but I still have the box that I sent to him. I still have the letter. I still have everything. I was like, I made it, but didn't make it. But I, I was right there. I was on the cusp. The hustle, though. The hustle, yeah. The out the trunk. I ended up buying my first car with that, with that cash. 
That is unbelievable. Statue of limitations run out on that because I don't don't think I filed for that. (laughs) The hustle though, like the hustle and the grind. So that's what I've always had. I've always done businesses on the side. Um, You know, I've had a a pest control company. I've, you know, I built it up, sold it off. And so I've always done that. So that's what led to Tap Truck. And um, they always say like, you know, you have to go through some, some experiences and some failures to get to where you're at. And I used to always tell my friend like, and at what point do we stop failing? Like, uh, when do we make it? You know, and <laughs> some businesses didn't do well. Some did well enough that we were able to sell it and get a profit out of it. And so, can we bring those shorts back? I'll, I'll, I'll call Foot Locker. I still you. got them. <laughs> I, I still got a pair. People still call me like, hey, man, you know, do some retro shorts. <laughs> yeah. That is unbelievable. That's awesome. Yeah. Michi used to rock some back in the day. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, let's, uh, I got a question too. I mean, you got all this stuff you've done, right? The the BMX and then playing college basketball. But I got a feeling that one thing you're most proud of right now is your son. Yeah, absolutely, man. So yeah. let's talk about Trent a little bit, right? He's uh he was Mr. Everything in high school and uh I think he's proven that in college there's more than everything. I mean, he's doing everything on the field, yeah. right? So uh talk about your boy a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, just to get it out there first, he still can't guard me, but uh <laughs> it's <laughs> No, it's been fun. I mean, he actually started racing uh, too when he was little. He raced motocross and uh, and flat track, and he had a bad accident at the Carruthers Fair, which ended his career. Um, but uh, yeah, and it <laughs> almost ended up me getting in jail. Um, he he flipped. Yo, he he was lapping a dude, and the guy like came the kid. Sorry, guy. Kid came over and hit him. He flipped all this stuff. The dad comes out at me. We're on the track because he's like five years old at the time. He's like, he did that intentionally, and I look at him like. He ran into a lapped traffic like he's trying to win. What are you talking about? And he's like in my in my. So I fire back at him. I'm saying, you know, we're both having some choice words at that moment. And at that point, you guys have both been in that situation where it's inevitable, like it's going down. And I look to my left and my boys are scaling the fence. The race is still going on. You know, country boys, they're like, no, no, this dude is going to get punished. They're all hopping the fence. They stop the race. And we we go out, and then Trent was like, "Yeah, I think uh, I think I just want to ride the the motorcycle to the taco truck." You know, <laughs> we, we lived out near Fowler and uh, that. But yeah, so uh, I, my my theory with the kids was, I don't know what your passion is, and I played basketball and I did this, but that may not be your passion, which it ended up not being. He loved, um, you know, football and soccer were his were his passions, but he played all he played everything and. I always told him like, "Hey, play everything until you can't. Yeah. Like, just enjoy, enjoy." I always regretted not playing other sports, and so um, with my daughter too. She's a senior now, and uh, uh, in high school, and so it's like, do everything, have fun, and so that's what we did. And and I learned early with Trent that you can't, we can't do year-round sports with him because he got bored quickly. And you know, and I, I was like, I don't want him to hate the sport. So winter baseball, I learned after that first year, we ain't doing that no more. You know, he's a, he was a seasonal guy. Like you were talking about earlier. It was like, oh, wait, football season. Okay, basketball season. Next, next. He wanted to be doing something, but we couldn't do it year round. Yeah. And so, you know, even in high school, he played baseball, uh, basketball first couple years, and, and then stopped with that. But yeah, that was that was fun, man. We had a lot of fun. I, um, it, I think you know, travel ball. Travel ball is great, but it's the perspective. You got to have perspective. Like, it was never about. Um, I think a, a like a like a goal would be like that would be great if he got a, a scholarship, but it wasn't about that for us, and, and it was about like the family time we got to spend. Like literally, my mom would say like, "Oh, don't you hate going to all these places?" I'm like, "Why? If I stayed on the weekend, I would be drinking a beer with my buddy. I wouldn't even see the kids. Yeah. You know, you, my wife would be with her friends. Like we're literally a family unit, 
and we're seeing all these cool places and hanging out with families and Trent's having fun. You know, my daughter had friends, all the, the sisters on the, you know, and they had, they had a great time. And so our thing was, you know, we're, we're enjoying our family. We forego, you know, going to Hawaii or doing those vacations. We decided, you know, we're going to do these, these tournaments or whatever. And, and if you keep it in perspective and have fun, it's never a letdown, you know, and, and, um, you know, even the kids on the team, baseball with a seven on seven, whatever basketball, they didn't get scholarships. They all had that perspective. Maybe a couple didn't, but you know, we were all happy and content with, with, with what we did. Where's your daughter going next year? She's going to UCSB. Okay. Yeah. She had, um, her freshman year, she actually broke the, the pole vault record at Central High. Um, and so that was going to be her path. Fresno Pacific offered her um, a, a partial. and, and Hard then, to live in the father's footsteps. Uh, I mean, when that plaque is still up in the trophy <laughs> case, even. <laughs> have to see that. Yeah. That shadow. Hard. That's hard. That's hard. <laughs> so, yeah, I knew that wasn't going to be her route. She had to forge her own path. But then she was like, a sophomore year, she's like killing it. And she's like, yeah, I'm done. But my, my wife cheered at Fresno State, and that was my daughter's passion. Okay. Unfortunately, they don't offer scholarships and that, but um, that's her thing. She loves to cheer, so she's uh, she's not going to cheer at Santa Barbara because they have like it's like it's not like a it's a it's a cheer team, but it's it's player ran or okay. I don't know how you almost say. like a club type. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so she's she's like way more intense than that. So she's joining um, this this travel uh, cheer, which you guys may have heard from the outside, but this is like this team, you know, they, they go to these events all over the United States and they have fans and social media followings and they're sponsored. And I'm not saying she's going to be that person, but she's, she's made that team. And so she's going to have that opportunity. Awesome. Yeah. And you can't beat the weather in Santa Barbara. 100%. <laughs> you can't I always told my kids like, Hey, when you pick a college, like remember like me and mom have to visit you. <laughs> yeah. So stay out, stay out of the North. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, Trent, Trent was fun, man. He was, he was a lot of fun. He excelled at a lot of sports. And, and um, um, you know, I learned uh, – so I coached – like, I, I, I didn't know much about football or baseball, but I remember his first Pop Warner – he played Pop Warner for Memorial and um, uh, with a lot of D1 athletes out there, you know, uh, the, you know Jalen Johnson being one of them. We knew right away. It was like in sixth grade. Like, yeah, I don't – it's not a matter of – if he's playing Sundays, it's what position is he playing on Sundays? But I remember being out there and I was uh, reading the paper. People did that back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was reading the paper during practice and the coach goes, hey, hey, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of knew him. He goes, he goes, hey, man, uh, you, we need a coach. I was like, oh, I'll call some of my buddies. <laughs> you know, and they're like, no, no, no. Like you, you play college ball. Like you know how to deal with kids. That's all we need. Like we'll teach technique. We just need somebody that's good with kids. All right. And so I, I started coaching Pop Warner and I ended up coaching baseball the same way. And, and uh, you know, I always said, I'm, I'm dugout mom. Like I will, these kids will not miss the lineup. Like I will get that kid in the on deck circle. I got you. I'll make cupcakes if I need to, you know, but this, this will be tidy in here. I will do my part. I became an expert, uh, like a level five soft toss uh, <laughs> uh, player. I was, I was really good at that. Um, I did a lot of great things. I knew my role. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so but I realized um, when Trent was in sixth grade that I had to stop coaching because I remember he struck out one time at bat and he came back and Trent internalized everything. He was like so he was he was his own worst enemy. He was hard on himself, and I remember like I knew how to get him out of that. And it was at that moment I was like, I'm doing this kid a disservice because 
I'm not going to be there in high school with him. He needs him. to learn how to do it on his own. Exactly. So I told my buddy, I said, hey, I'm done. I'm, I'm not coaching anymore after the season. I'm not coaching any sport. Like this guy needs to know how to react to different personalities and different coaches. And so that was it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it obviously worked because he went on and, I mean, what was that ride like in high school when he's playing for bigs and winning at the highest level? Man, that, that, was, that was great. But that was uh, – so um, a lot of people don't know about, like, what went through that. Nowadays, it's like transfer portal, even in high school, you know, and, and, and people go, oh, I heard, you know, that quarterback is leaving, so I'm going to go there because I could play. It, it wasn't – it was starting to be like that. But I remember in eighth grade, people were calling us like, hey, where's he going? And I was getting calls from – you never get a call from the head coach. It's like – you know, friends of the program, whatever. Hey, you know, coach said, you know, we got a spot, that type of deal. And I was like, wow. Uh, my buddy, Tim Smith, he played football at Stanford. You know, he, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, but it, it was kind of wild. And, and at that time, Justin Garza had, w was out because of his cancer treatment. And I'm, I was good friends with J Justin. We, we uh, taught together out at Central for a while. And um, they brought an intern coach in. And so they did, they, you know, they had that season. And then the next year, another one. And I was like, at that point, you look at it like, okay, I, it's my job to put my, my child in the, in, the, in the best position to be successful at whatever they do. But this is like chaos, man. And kids were leaving like crazy, going to Edison, you know, Tony Perry. Uh, I love, love TP, may rest in peace. I, I did a lot of seven on seven with him and Guru. Um, and he helped, he actually helped mold Trent from sixth grade on, uh, TP over there and CJ Jones. But, uh, um, I remember like, this isn't a good situation. And then they brought in another coach and it was like year after year. And I'm thinking he's not getting better at his craft because they don't even, you know, know who's going to coach. So I was at the point where I was thinking, maybe we should send him somewhere else. And, uh, he played his freshman year. He played, he started at safety and, wide receiver and quarterback. He kind of went around to all three positions. And, um, and then Biggs came in. And so it was a sophomore year. And I'm thinking, um, you know, they already had, they had a returning uh, kid who was going to be the quarterback. Um, and then they had the, the, the quarterback ahead of Trent. He was brought up to JV as a freshman. And so my buddy called me. He's like, hey, you know, are you going to go anywhere else? I'm like, well, if he can't beat those two guys out, then he's not going to play in college anyway. Like, he's got to beat those guys out to even consider playing in college. And at that point, I didn't think he was a quarterback. You know, I thought he was an athlete that was playing quarterback and with his size and everything, I'm like, I'm not sure where, where he could fit in. Um, and so then Biggs comes over and, uh, that was a wrap. Um, Trent and the other kid competed all summer and Trent got that first start at Bullard sophomore season. They lost that game. And I remember this changed my whole, uh, um, the, the way I viewed uh, sports, um, I went out there to Bullard. It's packed, big rivalry game, black and blue. And uh, he, he, uh, he had two picks in that game. We ended up losing. We were supposed to, you know, supposed to win, and we lose. But I remember the first quarter, um, Carl Holmes played safety out at uh, Fresno State. His son was on the team. And uh, so big Carl Sr., he, I, I get there, and I'm walking up. I'm looking where to sit. You know, I'm like, hey, this is cool, man. My son's a starting quarterback. Like, let's go. He comes over, he puts his arm around me. He goes, hey, bro, we ain't going to jail tonight. I said, what do you mean? He goes, listen, there's some bad stuff being said out there. And uh, you're my guy. I'm going with you. So we're either both going to jail or we're going to go sit over here. 
I was like, oh, okay. Carl's a big dude. I'm like, if this guy, yeah, I'm listening to you, Carl. So we go and we sit. He goes, you stay here, man. And he put me on the side. He literally just placed me on the side of the stadium, not even in the bleachers. He goes, it's bad. It's bad. He goes, don't ever sit on the home side, ever. All right. So after that game, I never sat on the home side. I went back by uh, one time and they were like, why is he starting? Get him out of the game. He's trash. You know, it, but it was the families of the quarterback that they had grew, grew up with. So I got it. But um, yeah, after that, I, I never, I, I never, to this, to this day, I've never sat on the home, uh, at least at Davis I do now, but I've never sat on the home side of a central game ever. Wow. I was always by myself over on the 30 yard line on the opposite side. Disrespectful. It, it was crazy. And then when he lost in the Valley championship his sophomore, he actually got death threats. What? Yeah. Like it was bad. He, uh, he, we couldn't get him out of the locker room. He was the last one there. It was like 11 o'clock. And uh, we, uh, we finally coaxed him out. Shamika Conway, she, she's a really close uh, family friend, and she's great. She's done a lot for, for a lot of kids. Um, she finally coaxed him out of the locker room, and um, his phone's blowing up. He's getting death threats. He's getting, you know, you're trash, you're this, you lost that game for us, all this. And he's in a bad place. And my wife and I are like, we really don't know. I didn't see the, the rule book on this, on how to, how to handle this. Like, I know how, how to handle a strikeout or an interception, yeah. but not this. So we go back to the house, and we're sitting there, and it's bad. And uh, my wife and I are, like, really stressing over it. Like, we got to watch him. Like, I don't know if he's in a good place. And then about 1230, get a knock at the front door. I open it up. It's the seniors who he wanted to win for. And uh, I'll never forget, man. They're like, we need to be with our guy. And it was like eight of them. They all rolled in. They all slept in his room with him. Like it was that. I still get a little emotional about it, but that that was wild. And that's when I knew, like, oh, we, we made the right choice. Like we're we're here. That's awesome. Yeah, it was the best thing for him. Absolutely. That moment, yeah. Absolutely, man. I mean, you you know, you always you get stronger when you face adversity and when things don't happen how you planned it, and that completely changed the perspective. I mean, I don't. They lost to. Folsom and De La Salle after that. That was it. Like it was, it was a wrap yeah. after mm -hmm. that. Start of the dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big. He's a hell of a coach, man. That, that dude, he, him and Garrick, uh, you know, and, and all those guys, the squad they brought, the, the coaching staff was just, just a good bunch of good dudes. Yep. Really, really high level coaches. Yep. Yeah. Well, and he, uh, I mean, he got central to the top of the mountain right there, right? I mean, he, yeah. They got it done, and now he's still playing ball. Yeah. And I feel like every Saturday it's like a, you know, did you see what Trent did, yeah. right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah he goes across the whole city. Man, right? it's, it's, it's awesome. I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, go, uh, I go hard at the tailgate. You know, I let you know that up front. Um, well, we all saw the, the commitment letter, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so I, I mean, and, and we do make it in the games. Thank goodness ESPN replays it because then I get to watch it the next day because sometimes we go in there a little sideways. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's cool. He, you know, he went in as a quarterback, and uh, he, was, uh, he was playing. And he realized things, like, right away, like, it's a little different. Uh, but he, the, the things that he brought to the table were different from the guys they had. And um, – but he stayed the course, and then and then the coach asked him like, "Hey, you know, would you consider doing this?" And his thing was, he goes, "Look, as a quarterback, you have a zero point zero 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 chance of making a practice squad as a quarterback because Trent was good. But it was it was like me for for basketball. I was like, I didn't have the height, but if you don't have the height, you better be fast. And I was fast, but not 
the fast I needed yeah. to be. And I could jump, I had a good vertical leap, but if you're going to be 5'11 as a pointer, you need to be, you know, you need 37 inch vertical yeah. or you'd be, be a, a, a killer from outside from the three point line. And I was just like, I had a level of everything that was a level above most people, but not where, you know, it needed to be. And he was like that with football. Um, and he just, he had that uncanny ability to do things that weren't really like quarterbackish. And so they said, Hey, you know, we want to do something with you. Would you be open to it? And you know, what's that? We want you to play everywhere. And so they called it the Taysom Hill position. And they were like, we want you to play here. And so he did. And he, he loved it. And he's like, he told me, he's like, dad, this is the first time since Pop Warner that I, I don't have stress going into a game. Like when we lose a game and it's the quarterback's fault, I just point at the quarterback now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that, that fool. I agree with you. He should have, he should have hit people with it. But, uh, he's, 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 he's got the passion back and he's enjoying it. So he was all conference last year as a freshman. He's coming back this year. You know, he'd be a punt returner, uh, slot quarterback, um, wide receiver, uh, running back. And, uh, the defensive coach wants to get him out of safety at certain times. So he's, he's just loving it. He's, he's, he's physically in his best shape he's ever been. And he'll be a, uh, he'll be a senior academically in August and a, a sophomore, um, sports wise so it's like going back to pop warner right like you're yeah just, it's, it's about fun you're just playing you're just playing the game of football it's exactly. not about what position it's just like hey i'm just whatever i can do to help my team win and be on exactly. the field with my guys and i didn't realize like to me he did that in pop warner and it's like cool you just go there you know hey, you learn the plays but it's different because you know even the coach told me he's like man we're asking a lot out of him and i'm like you know, I'm thinking, well, yeah, but he's still on the field. Like, he's still, he's like, no, you don't understand. Like, he has to go to an hour wide receiver meeting. Then he has to go to the running backs coach and meet with him. Then he has to go to the special teams meeting. So Trent's like, yeah, my friends are all done at like an hour or two hours, whatever, with film. He goes, I'm there all day. Like, I got to go to every film, every, which is, I mean, Gray's learning a lot, but uh, you know, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot more. Um, a lot more intense, but sounds like they might be building the best future coach of all time. Uh, seriously, <laughs> seriously, man. Uh, and they just put in a fifty-two million dollar uh, football facility. You know, they're trying. They're they're entering the arms race. They're trying to get. You know, their goal is the Pac-12, which yeah. you know who knows uh, yeah. what will happen. But they're they're trying to get in the arms race. So they built this facility. that's amazing. I mean, when Trent was being recruited, we went to a lot of facilities, and I saw a lot. And this one is, you know, right right up there. Um, one of the most amazing trips I ever took with him was to Penn State. He was being recruited by Penn State. And um, they called Biggs, and they're like, hey, he needs to come to our camp. So Kyle calls me up. He goes, hey, you need to go to Penn State. I was like, you kidding me? <laughs> like the Nittany Lions? Are you serious? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, seriously, you got to go. So uh, so we set up this. Uh, I had all these points on my credit card, and I'm like, let's go. So we fly over, and it was the most amazing thing. It, it didn't materialize, but just I'll never forget it. We walk in, you know, to the to the stadium, and um, there's like 400 kids, and they're all walking through, and um, and Coach Franklin goes, Trent Tompkins, as we're walking, and like this group, and I'm like, this is for real. And, and he's, he's like, he comes over and he hugs him. And I'm looking around like these six, eight, just <laughs> statues walking by. And I'm like, hey, coach, no offense, but I would be recruiting that dude right there. They just <laughs> walk by. I don't know if you want my son. Like, he's good, but that dude looks like he'd do more. But uh, it was amazing, man. They First class treatment. They do the camp. And at the end of the camp, he's like, hey, um, he, he goes, these, these names, if we call you, you stay. Call five names. And Trent was one of them. And uh, my boy from uh, Philly was there with me. He's like, Dude, is this really happening? I go, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> We're in there. And, uh, and then they had um, 
they had these five guys and, and uh, uh, five quarterbacks, and they had a, like a competition. And then literally, Coach Franklin's going up going, hey, man, um, I think D2 is your level. Thank you. Just leaving them. Hey, man, FCS, I'm going to put a call in for you uh, at Fordham. Uh, my buddy's coaching there. I think, I think you'd, you'd fit in good there. Kids are just getting tossed. And then it's down to Trent and, and uh, uh, Taquan Roberson, who ended up committing uh, as a quarterback. But they're the same size, same type of person. And um, they go, uh, you guys hop in a golf cart. Ooh, we got a meeting. So we hop in the golf cart. They give us a tour. We tour Penn State. And uh, it's, it's amazing, man. And I'm like, this is crazy. And we're sitting there waiting um, for the meeting. And Cal State Fullerton's playing baseball on there. And one of Trent's teammates at Central was pitching. And we're watching the game. And coach comes in. And we're there, Coach Moorhead and Franklin in the office. And, and I'm like, you know, does it bad that I'm taking pictures? You know, is that, is that <laughs> kosher? But I, I got to take proof. Like, hey, this really happened. And so coach is like, you know what, man? He goes, listen, you, you throw the ball good. You don't throw it great. You, you, you're fast, but you're not the fastest. I think at that time he's running like a 4 six forty, And he's like, at your height, I need you at four five. but my guy can get you there. And he slams his clipboard down. He goes, the one thing that you have that I don't know how I've chart everything. I don't know how to chart it. And it's it. And you have it. And I remember I had goosebumps. And I'm like, he's going to get an offer from Penn State. <laughs> like, this is wild. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to commit for him right now, coach. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, he's like, we offered, you know, Taekwon, if he doesn't accept, you know, we're coming after you. And then, and then we got the call, like literally going back to the hotel, Taekwon committed. And we're like, oh, well, that was cool. At least I got a cool story out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was wild. Man, Jason Dime is flying by here. Todd, I can't thank you enough for coming and sitting down with us today. Hey, absolutely, man. My my grandfather always told me, and Oki never lets the truth stand in the way of a good story. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I ho- hope hope you enjoyed a few. I and most of them are, you know, I I probably can't tell because I don't know if statue limitations <laughs> ran out on them. But appreciate you having me, man. Uh, thank I, you for coming out. I got a feeling people are gonna love this one, especially the Amundsen family. Oh yeah, I got I got more juice. <laughs> I, I went I went light. I went lightweight on him. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Todd, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate that there was nobody else available this week. And I come <laughs> out, man. Absolutely. This is it. This has been the Off the Bench Podcast with Todd Tompkins. Thank you. You've been listening to the Off the Bench Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Off the Bench.